0: So, the readings taken from Jonah, starting at chapter 1, verse 17. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, The earth beneath barred me in forever But you, Lord my God Brought my life up from the pit When my life was ebbing away I remembered you, Lord And my prayer rose to you In your holy temple Those who cling to worthless idols Turn away from God's love for them But I, with shouts of grateful praise Will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land.
1: Thanks, Rachel. Right, so my name is Debs, and I'm on the staff team here at St. Jude's, and it's really good to be here tonight to talk about this next bit in Jonah. And it's it's quite an interesting passage, isn't it? Because, you know, did it really happen? Was there really a big fish that swallowed Jonah? And if there was, how how did he breathe in it? And what about all the rest of the muck that was in the stomach of the fish? And like, so is it real? Well, I don't know, but what I do know, what I believe is that if God wanted it to happen, he could make it happen. So I think rather than worry about how it might have worked, we're going to look at the story and see what we can learn from it. So let's have a look. Let's have a look at this. So Jonah was in a bit of a mess, wasn't he, really? Um, He was on this ship. He wasn't really liked by the sailors because he kind of caused this bit of a storm, so they threw him overboard. So he was very likely to drown. But then in verse 17, we, say, we see that the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. The Lord provided a huge fish. And I think what we can see there is that in times of need, God will provide, and he always does. He, if, if we need something, he will provide something which will allow our faith to grow. So I wonder if you can think of a time when the circumstances that you've been in have caused your faith to grow because you've been somewhere near the end of your resources and God has provided. I know we laugh sometimes, don't we, when when people say, oh, I need need to be more patient. Can we pray for patience? And quite often it seems that God just waits even longer so that you've got more chance for that patience to grow, which isn't, isn't very helpful always but I'm sure God's got it in hand and he wants it to work like that. So seriously though, there are many times, when I look back over my life, I can see so many times when my faith has grown through circumstances that I haven't particularly enjoyed, but when I look back, I can see that what God gave me at the time was exactly what I needed. So when God provided the fish to swallow Jonah perhaps it didn't really seem that great at the time because yes he was saved from drowning but he was still inside the fish so I did think about bringing a whole load of smelly fish and seaweed so that we could just put it all around our heads and stuff and really get into the story and then luckily for you though I decided not to so we'll just have to use our imaginations and imagine how horrible it was inside of that fish And in the previous chapter, so in chapter 1, we read about how Jonah goes down. So in verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, He went down to Joppa. And then um, in verse 5, Jonah had gone down into the ship because he'd gone below the decks. And then he's thrown into the ocean, and he goes down into the ocean. And now he goes right down to the very bottom, doesn't it? It says in verse 6, to the roots of the mountains I sank down and so he's gone right to the bottom and sometimes it's the same for us isn't it we need to reach rock bottom before we can come back up again and there are numerous examples in the bible and I'm sure that you can think of times in your own life and also in the lives of people you know where people have been at rock bottom or you've been at rock bottom before you've been able to come up and at the alpha course I don't know if any of you have ever done the alpha course but that is full of examples of people who've been right at the bottom and then they've started to come up because they've found God they've responded to him there are people who are in prison they've committed murder there are people who've gone through horrible divorces broken relationships poverty Um, all sorts of things and yet at that time when they're right at the bottom God reaches in and lifts them up I've heard it said that you don't realise that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have so sometimes you don't realise that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all that you have and so it was with Jonah here So he was at the bottom of the sea, uh, in the belly of a fish. Not much hope, really. Not really a lot going for him at the time. And that's where he prayed. And when he did, that's when he began to experience God's grace. So he prayed. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. So that's where he begins to see God's grace God's amazing grace and I think there are three things that we want to, we want to think about about grace tonight because it's a word that as, as Christians we we say we talk about grace a lot and it's right that we talk about it because it is the, the thing that distinguishes Christianity from any other faith and it is completely outrageous grace I mean it's a gift that we certainly don't deserve, and there's no way that we could earn it. So the first thing that I want to think about grace is the fact that we have all sinned. We are all fallen. We continue to sin. In Romans 3:23, it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's all of us. So we've gone wrong, and then the world says to us, Oh, it's okay, because you can put it right, because... You can build your confidence or re-establish your self-esteem or you can have therapy of some sort. But the thing is, until we actually acknowledge that we have messed up, we have gone wrong, we've made bad decisions, we've hurt other people, until we admit that, we can't begin to accept that gift of grace. So we have to acknowledge that we've gone wrong. And then the second thing about grace is that we have to recognise that we can't fix it. We can't fix it on our own. Again, the world will tell us, oh, look at all these self-help books. You know, they'll help you to put things right. Go on mindfulness retreats or take, have this therapy to modify your behaviour so that you don't fall down into that pit again. But actually, most of that is short-term because we can't. We can't fix it. So someone I know quite close to, who is not yet a Christian, she refuses to listen to the offer of getting to know Jesus, to finding somebody who would actually bring her hope and transform her life. Instead, she spends hundreds, if not thousands, of pounds going on mindfulness retreats to Bali, which, you know, it's all very nice, and she has has a lovely time, but actually... The benefits of the mindfulness retreat bit might last maybe, I don't know, at best about five days when she gets home, and then life just swamps her again. And recently she was in a bit of a messy place, not wanting to hear about Jesus. And she said to me, She said, It's okay, because next week I'm going to go and see this woman and she's going to realign my positive energies. And I thought, Oh, great, but actually, then what? And this was a few weeks ago, and I mean, I don't know how much that cost. But she's she's still not you know she's still not happy she's still not right but she will not listen to anything about Jesus so until we recognize that we can't fix ourselves we can't accept that we can't um, receive that gift of grace so we have to know that we've sinned and got it wrong and we have to acknowledge that we can't fix it and then thirdly grace is really costly so in the Old Testament, forgiveness and atonement was only available through the sacrifice of animals. You could only, you know you had to sacrifice some blood. Blood had to be shed in order to receive that forgiveness and that atonement. And so if we look at oh yeah, and Jonah, that's right, he knows this because if we look in verse four, he says, Yet yeah, I will look again towards your holy temple. So he's looking to God's holiness. In verse seven, he says, my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So he knew that the holiness and the righteousness he couldn't do anything about, but his, he needed that sacrifice in order to receive that forgiveness and that grace. And of course, we are more fortunate because through that one great, awesome, amazing sacrifice of Jesus, we no longer have to shed blood in order to receive that forgiveness and mercy. So he has paid that great price for us, the shedding of his blood, the cost of his life. So grace, we can only understand it when we acknowledge our sin. We can only receive it when we accept that we can't fix all that's gone wrong ourselves. And we have to recognize the sacrificial cost that Jesus paid. And when we've done all of that, then we can begin to find grace, often in the depths and the valleys of our life. We sometimes have to, nearly always have to find ourselves so far down that the only hope is that free and costly grace. And that's when we pray. So Jonah was at the bottom and he said, as he said, to the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth barred me in forever. And then he says... But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. So even when he was right at the bottom, still couldn't see a way out, he says, but you, Lord, brought my life up out from the pit. So he's, he's kind of saying that God is going to bring him up, and he's saying, you have brought me up. So he recognises that it's God who saves him, and he is drawn to praise God for that, even before he's released from the belly of the fish. And that's the point at which Jonah's deliverance is kind of recognised as given, because as he acknowledges his sin and his hopelessness and confesses it before God, his relationship with God is restored and he begins to praise him. So do we wait for deliverance ourselves before we praise God? Do we wait for our circumstances to change and to improve before we praise God? Or do we praise Him even when we're still in the depths? And I'm not implying in any way that it's an easy thing to do because it isn't. When you can't see any way out, sometimes it is really difficult to praise. And I remember one time I was at a conference and I was in the middle of a, a very painful and turbulent time in my life, and I didn't feel much like singing or worshiping at all. And I remember looking around and seeing thousands of people, you know, with their hands in their air, in the air, worshiping God, and I just thought. What are they doing? And I just don't get this. I don't feel anything at all. I was really quite lost and I was very angry. But I made a decision that I would worship anyway. And so I did, despite not kind of feeling like I wanted to. And then, amazingly, things changed. My situation didn't change. It was still very messy. It was still very painful. But my perspective changed. My Lord brought my life up from the pit and we need to be able to make that choice don't we because then like Jonah we can say salvation comes from the Lord it's nowhere else it's only the Lord it's only him it's nothing that we can do we can only receive it from him so Jonah is a really good example for us because he experienced grace as he prayed in the belly of that fish And when he says salvation comes from the Lord, that's when the fish threw him up onto the shore. But as we continue through the book of Jonah, we see that he hasn't fully understood grace. And to be fair, who does fully understand grace, really? It's just too amazing. But Jonah gets angry at the people of Nineveh because they're still worshipping idols. And yet when they repent of that, they receive forgiveness and he gets cross but he forgets that he's got idols in his own heart that get in the way of his worshipping God and don't we all have stuff in our hearts that get in the way pride selfishness greed approval from others and those are just some of mine there are loads more but I'm sure you can think of things that get in the way of you worshipping God get in the way of your own relationship with Jesus. And I am just so eternally grateful that God's grace is available despite our not fully grasping how amazing it is, despite our not being fully whole. I am so glad, I am so grateful that I don't have to understand it in order to receive it. So the questions I want to leave you with tonight are... Are you beginning to understand the costliness of grace and the generosity of God as he offers it to us, his children? So are you beginning to understand the costliness of grace and the generosity of God? Are you learning to praise God even from the depths? And what idols get in the way for you that stop you worshipping Jesus as he needs to be? as he deserves. So we're going to wait a little bit in the quiet and just think over those three questions. And then I will finish with a, with a prayer. So are you beginning to understand the costliness of grace and the generosity of God? Are you learning to praise God even from the depths? And what idols get in the way for you of meeting with Jesus? So let's just wait in the quiet for a couple of minutes.